0: Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa. Homage to the Blessed, Noble, and Perfectly Enlightened One.
1: Adam
0: the unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it within my sight and hearing, I bow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. <laughs> This is the first day of October 2011. We're here in Berkeley, California, and we're looking into the the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Flower Garland Sutra, known as the Huayan jing in Chinese. And right here on the front cover of your text, you'll see the name of the sutra and the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas who form the the host of this text. So we're going to chant those names, and I'd like you to Join along with me. We do it in Chinese, so you can follow either the Chinese characters or you can follow the the romanization, ABC, the spelling of those sounds. uh uh-huh. Spiritual presence, and we have uh, been chanting to get our minds in the place to hear the Dharma. So, in your text, please turn to page 38 and 39. 38 and 39. Okay, you ready? Let's look on page 38 first. We're on the uh, second paragraph from the bottom. <coughs> to count up, it says, 所有忠忠, that one. We'll do the Chinese first, then we'll go across and we'll do the English. Okay, are you ready? 所有忠忠神通力 li. So- Sude Pusa, Jenung,
1: Shien, Pusa,
0: All the various powers of spiritual penetrations. the bodhisattva on this ground is able to manifest if he acts through the power of vows it surpasses even these and with limitless sovereign ease he saves the flocks of beings okay great uh, let's um, let's try chanting it. Um, I'll give you a line and you give it back.
1: Soyo chong Jong Shan Tong Lee. Soyo chong Jong Shan Tong Lee. Sudipus sa yan li yan li wu liang du wu liang all the various powers
0: of spiritual penetrations. All the various powers of spiritual penetration. The Bodhisattva on this ground is able to manifest. The Bodhisattva on this ground is able to manifest. If he acts through power of vows, it surpasses even these if he acts through the power of vows, it surpasses even these. And with limitless sovereigns he, he saves the flocks of beings. And with limitless sovereignies, he saves the flocks of beings. Okay, that sounds nice. Okay, we, Yon Sidan. Uh, at the bottom of the page we have one more paragraph to go and then we're done so it's he says um, all the various let's uh, if I were to if I were to do this again and we will we're going to get there we're going to continue translating the translation is is uh, just beginning uh, no no that's wrong the translation has well begun it's continuing that's to say, there's a lot more work to do to get this translation done. Um, we have to bring it into English one more time. I would say, um, the bodhisattva on this ground is able to make appear all the various functions of spiritual powers, of psychic powers. He can, the bodhisattva here on the second ground can do what? Well... It includes such things as flying through the air in full lotus like a bird. It's really what, what the sutras describe. When somebody has the powers this bodhisattva has, this ability, they, uh, they defy gravity. Now, somebody would obviously say, gee, that's, I thought that happened only in movies. Martial arts films. Um, Sutras all agree. That bodhisattvas at this level. Can transcend. The limits of physical mass. They beat gravity. Just present that to you. And do with it as you will. Um, Matter and energy. Constantly shift back and forth. Right? Law of thermodynamics. Um, at a certain point, matter becomes energy, energy returns to matter. Nothing is created or destroyed. Matter is neither created nor destroyed, it just changes. That's basic physics will tell us that, you know. So what is our body? It's combination, the, the traditional science says it's earth air fire and water so the body you're sitting in right this minute here in the berkeley monastery has solid parts bones toenails teeth hair it has warmth right 98.6 if you have a fever it's a little hotter if you've been chilled it's a little colder so that's warmth it has liquid you know we have blood and we have saliva in our mouths and tears in our eyes and we cry And it also has air. It's got spaces. Spaces that allows our ears to function. Spaces that allows us to breathe. Even the hair pores. have. If you blow them up, you can see that mostly it's air. So, earth, air, fire, and water. Solid parts, liquid parts, warmth, and space make up our bodies. And that's matter. Mostly. Space is not... But the body, you know, you step on a scale, you'll see how much it weighs. So there's matter there. So the body should conform to those laws of physics, right? That it's not created or destroyed, it just changes. We transform. And, you know, you can prove that. You go take a shower and lots of skin and hair and things will wash off and go down the drain. So our bodies are very much not permanent stable, solid things. They're changing all the time. Our bodies are changing all the time. So, if that were true, then uh, it is. It's true. Um, Our bodies are subject to the same laws that other kinds of matter are. For example, check out these very lovely, fantastic pink roses and this one carnation that's here. These are maybe the last roses of the summer. Although in California summer tends to go into October, but these were at their peak in May and they're still putting out flowers. But if we were to watch these roses in 3 or 4 days, they pretty quickly do that, right? They they wilt. So they decay at a pretty rapid rate. They're more volatile. You know, they they change more quickly. Uh, than this, for example. This is going to be here week after week after week without changing because it's made of wood and it's been stabilized. These are really unstable, so they change. So here we have a bodhisattva who has been meditating and meditating and meditating. And the, uh, what happens when you meditate, and I hope many of you will experience this if you are serious about your meditation and practice, your body changes temperature, for one thing. And sometimes you can feel as you meditate that your body becomes very, very tiny. You can be sitting there in meditation and just feel like your body is kind of vanished. It just gets so small. And so it's hot. Sometimes you can be meditating and your body gets very, very cold. You can feel like you're just shivering and freezing and you want to pile the blankets on and that's a state that can happen not that it has to happen or that it will happen but many people report that other times you can be sitting there just like meditation every day and you can feel like your body just fills up space it just gets so big that that your body contains everything and that's just a meditation state so if I were sitting beside you watching you I wouldn't see anything different But the body's energy is reacting to your concentration. The word is samadhi. And we had that that word in last week's. You'll notice that's a word that appeared in in the verse just above, the one we did today. So in other words, as we meditate in normal meditation, our bodies transform. It's a function of the energy of the body, the matter of the body, interchanging Matter comes to energy, energy to matter. Now, what about the energy of the body? Is that just a way of speaking or is it real? It's real. Anybody ever been to an acupuncturist? Maybe young guys, maybe not. Maybe in the future you will. We have acupuncturists up in Ukiah now who are very skillful and have been well trained in China. and, And what an acupuncturist does, first of all, they'll take your hand and they'll get a little pillow and they'll put your hand on the pillow and then they start... Doing this, And a skillful acupuncturist, I've had this happen, it's kind of scary. They go, Mmm. Oh. Mmm. Ooh. Mmm. Ooh. Like that. And then they proceed, they do that. And if they don't do that, you should ask them why they didn't go, Mmm. Oh. Mm. <laughs> and they say, that's the old school. We're modern. We, we do it differently now, so. So what they can do by putting their fingers on your pulse is they can tell you what diseases you've had, what diseases you have now, and what diseases you're likely to have in the future. You go, my goodness, you just use your fingertips on my skin and you could tell me all that. And you go, yeah, yeah. And they'll say, here, feel this, and they go, see, so feel that. And you go, no. And they say, well, try harder. You know, okay. Well, that's called your kidney pulse, your liver meridian, your your heart pulse and it's out of balance it's too tight, it's too loose it's too irregular they say, and people who have that kind of pulse tend to have this kind of problem then they'll ask you questions and you go yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, that's right wow, how did you know all that? well, it was just as clear as if your body was telling me you know, as if it were speaking because I can feel it through the energy in your body so, energy to matter, matter to energy, constantly inter- interchanging. We can experience through our meditation how, how flexible and, you could say, not solid the body is. It's a really a dynamic, changing, interactive thing. So, mom, we sneeze and cough, and mom comes over and gives us a pill, and we feel better, right? Because maybe that pill has the ability to balance out something that was too much one way or not enough the other way, etc. So here's a bodhisattva who is so skillful in his or her meditation that they have actually been able to interact with the laws of physics and be able to fly. That's too far out. You've been saying good stuff so far, but that's too much. Now, not like this. It's not that they flap their wings and fly. It says, and in the third ground, we're about to begin the, the next uh, part of our text. And it talks about how a Bodhisattva who can li uh, can make appear various kinds of psychic powers can fly sitting in full lotus cross their legs and go through space says just like a bird being able to cross their legs do you believe it? well I don't know if I believe it or not don't ask that question you know I'll believe it when I see it we say right show me we say my mother was born in Kansas City, Missouri Missouri is the show me state right show me or I'll believe it or I won't believe it show me and I'll believe it okay now I grew up in Ohio. It's not too far from Missouri. And I've never seen anybody fly through this air in full lotus. But I do know that our teacher, whose picture is right here in front of you, Master Xuen when he was a young monk um, sitting by his mother's grave. Now, this is something you'd like to know about, I think, because it's, it's almost as strange as flying through the air in full lotus. What is it? Our teacher, when he was a young man, he was uh, 19 years old, his mother passed away. And our teacher was very filial. Filial is an important word. We should know about that. The Chinese word is... xiao shun, xiao shun. And if you are xiao shun, if you're filial, that means that you recognize that in order to become a person you received a lot of gifts from your parents. Not one of us came here on our own. The notion of a self-made man, self-made woman, no such thing. We are all made by other people, mostly our parents, right? And our teachers and the food that we eat and the water that we drink and all that help make us. So, filial children acknowledge that They got a lot of gifts from their parents in order to get here. Whether, if we acknowledge that, if we see it and recognize it, in the traditional world, in China and India, you know what they would say? They would say, You, dear sir, you, kind woman, are educated. If you don't acknowledge that, you know what they would say? You, kind sir, you, good woman, are ignorant. Because you don't really understand. You haven't woken up yet to the fact that every one of us came here because of the kindness of our parents. And now there are some people who say, uh-uh, you don't know my old man, I got nothing from him but misery. I don't owe him nothing, you know. You can say, correct grammar would be, I don't owe him anything. And then the guy walks away, because you never Another story. He says, I don't owe him nothing. You can say, okay, now, what I hear in that is that along with lots of gifts, you also got lots of hurting, lots of pain. Well, that's probably true. Probably true. But each one of us got our bodies from our parents. And there were years and years when we were unable to provide for ourselves. Humans are really, really Vulnerable for a long time. You know, if you are a mother tiger and you give birth to baby tigers, this is a daddy tiger. He's not... He, so you don't qualify. We'll talk to you later. If you're a mother tiger, you give birth to these baby tigers, in about, they have to be about a year before they are out there extending their claws, growing their teeth and going... Ah! You know, they're pretty able to take care of themselves within about a year. Baby tigers are are well-equipped to go out and feed themselves with their claws and their, their t- fangs. Human babies are not. It takes us a long time before we can even think about feeding ourselves. Right? So pretty much we go from mom's care, mom's kitchen, they usually go directly to wife's care and wife's kitchen. You know, so the man is pretty much unable to feed himself when he's 40 and 50. You know, he goes directly from one woman's care to the next. So, um, but when we're babies, we can't do much. And I left my home when I was 16. I went to college, and that was about the last time I actually went home, 17, 18. And from that time on, I ate in dormitories, and I ate, I started feeding myself when I was uh, 21, and it was brown rice and steamed vegetables. Brown rice and steamed vegetables. That was it. For years and years. So, uh, anyway, we mostly are taken care of by our parents. A educated person, a wise person says, it's true, I acknowledge that. Our teacher, back to our teacher. What about him? At age 19, his mother died. He made 18 promises, 18 vows that he, first of all, was going to sit by his mother's graveside for three years in order to kind of pay back the kindness that he got from his mom. Can you imagine? You are now nine years old. You are now 29 years old. You say, okay, when I'm, from now until I'm 12, from now until I'm 32... If you have any mail for me, if you have any any uh, sweaters you want to give me, you can find me in the graveyard sitting by mom's grave. I'll be there. You're sure to find me cuz I'm not going anywhere. Stay in there for the next 3 years. Can you imagine how how strange that would be? Probably you get sent to jail. I don't you probably get busted for hanging out in the graveyard cuz I don't know if uh, in America they would let you do that. You'd have to negotiate with the local sheriff to let you do that. But uh, in Asia, that in China, where this practice was well-known, these were called filial sons. Mostly men did it. It was too dangerous for women to be out there alone. Filial sons. Our teacher was one of those filial sons. He was called a filial son Bai, because his family name was Bai. So our teacher sat by his mother's grave for three years, meditating in full lotus. And he made, this is, we're back to where we departed into this story. He made 18 vows. And among those vows are, I vow, I promise, that I will be able to fly freely in this very life. 当愿飞行自在。I will travel by flying in this very light. That was our teacher's vow. What about that? And here's, I mean, people saw him, and he was, you know, very uh, intellectual. He memorized many, many, many books and could recite them without a single mistake. I mean, he's very much normal, intelligent, professor-type teacher, you know, Chan master. And yet he said, I'm going to fly. So you kind of go, what about gravity? (laughs) Does gravity count? (sighs) Don't be limited by mundane ideas like gravity. You know, I can make my body transform. So it kind of shakes up your, either he's crazy or My knowledge is limited. Chances are, it's number two. Our knowledge is limited of how the body interacts with the world. What is the actual ability of our nature when it's awake, when it's manifested? So, the bodhisattva on this ground is able to make appear all the many abilities of psychic powers shantong all gathered into this thing called psychic powers very interesting right so if you don't remember anything else and and to present that fact seriously challenges anybody who has a scientific background how could you you know defeat gravity watch 100 times this is going to drop 100 times if I do that it's going to drop right never is it going to go up now you can all concentrate and say go up fish go up but it's probably going to drop a hundred times, right? We're not going to do it a hundred times. But has it ever gone up so far? Nope. Pretty much drops every time, right? Yeah. So, yet, that gravity, when you meet up with the mind and our nature, when it's awake, when the covers have been removed, can do amazing things. Things that science still ponders and yet for 2,000 years science is really a new way of approaching human experience measuring human experience Right? it's only been around they say 80% of the scientists who have ever lived are still alive that's because science is relatively new so this knowledge this kind of natural science has been around for 2,500 years minimum and is affirmed worldwide that these abilities are genuine, bona fide, ipso facto truth. The way, they, the way it really is. So, how interesting. Okay, so there you go. I'll tell you one more story. Um, our, one of the other. What I'm describing, the ability to fly, is one of 18 transformations. It's called in Chinese, Bian. The 18 transformations of an arhat, and among the psychic powers list, this is um, number three, number four, depending on how you count. It's called Shanzu Li, the strength of psychic abilities, magical abilities, and th- this all gets explained in the next our next chunk of text, the third ground, which we're going to get to probably by December. We'll get to that section, I expect. Maybe November. So um, in that ability, it says the ability to fly through the air like a bird, the ability to walk on water, the ability to drill through the earth as if it were water. You can walk on water as if it's solid. You can enter the earth and solid things as if they were water. The ability to make the body very large, To reach up and touch the sun and moon with your hands if you choose to. Also the ability to emit fire from the lower half of your body. Water from the upper half. Or water from the lower half and fire from the upper half. Etc. There are 18 in all. And those are all spectacular transformations. And the Bodhisattva, mind you, he doesn't do it like a circus performer. That's not the thing. It's not that he does it to show you. It's that given the opportunity to teach somebody when needed, if necessary the Bodhisattva can make these things can make his body appear in these various functions so um, the Master Hua, our our teacher filial son Bai was nearing the end of his three years out there on the gravesite and this is in Manchuria. I've actually been to where this happened, and it's flat. I, in my imagination, I had it up in the mountains, and it's actually it's cornlands, it's corn-growing land out in Manchuria. Um, about oh, uh, it's not too far from the Russian border, if you know where where Manchuria is, and it's a place called Lalinjan, Lalin Station, and. Uh, Master Hua was out there, and he'd been through two and a half years of intense effort. And the stories about this young man out there on the by himself in the graveyard—he built a an A-frame, a sorghum hut. And mind you, it's not a graveyard like you know Forest Lawn Cemetery. This is a, a farming village in Manchuria. This is probably you know twenty twenty burial plots. The family burial plot was there. So. Um, One night, now he, mind you, uh, he was pretty well-known, because if you have somebody in your neighborhood who you know is sleeping out in the open uh, by his mother's grave, you're going to pay attention. This is a farming village. So people would bring him food occasionally, and the weather there is really extreme. When it's cold, it's 30 below. It's so cold out there that in the midwinter, if you spit, it freezes before it touches the ground. You go, it turns to ice. And when it hits the ground, it's like that because it's ice. That's how cold. This is Manchurian cold, right? And when it's hot in the summer, it's 100 degrees, blazing hot. This last three or four years, this corn crop has all dried up before it made it to market. So they've had, the, it's so hot, they've had trouble with uh, the harvest. Anyway, Master Hua was out there, and everybody was kind of aware of what was going on. And one night, there was this cry in the village. And they said, the filial son's hut is on fire. Let's go save our meditator. So they all got buckets and water and went running up the hill to where this bright light was lighting up the sky at brightest day. Seriously, this light was just flaring out. And they could see each other. They could see the palm lines in their hand as they were running up to, to, to save him because clearly there was a forest fire up there. And when they got to the hut, there was nothing except our teacher sitting in full lotus, meditating in his hut. And they, nobody dared bother him. You know, it's like, you want to say anything? You say it first, and you say it. No. They said, venerable sir, they said, we saw this bright light. We thought your place was burning. What was going on? Where'd the fire go? And Master Mahal opened his eyes and he said, Fire? Uh, oh, well, no, I didn't see anything. Uh, good night. They're you know, <laughs> going, Okay, good night. We'll see you later. You know, That was that. They don't know what was really going on. Why his body was emitting this bright light. So, A lot of interesting things can happen when you meditate. And science uh, is a very useful tool for measuring, for categorizing, for uh, giving us insights into the way matter interacts with energy. But it doesn't tell the whole story, clearly. There is a natural science, the skill of meditation, that has been told in India for longer than 2,500 years. Um, The science of yoga uh, and Ayurveda has uh, a lot points to these abilities that are the kind of the consummation, the, the manifestation of those tools that traditional ancient science, wisdom science gives us. All those, the bodhisattva on this ground is able to make appear all the many abilities of psychic powers. If he acts through the power of vows, it surpasses even these. And with limitless sovereign ease, he saves the many beings. Um, let's look at those last two lines. Yuan Li, So, Fu Vow strength, that which does. Again, beyond this. 无量, beyond measure. In Sanskrit, this is called Ishvara. And Ishvara is both the name of a god, and it's also a noun meaning uh, freedom. It means to do as you wish, to be completely free of uh, obstacles, free of affliction, free of any limits. That's Ishvara, Ishvara. Um, du, chun cheng, freely he do this is a power verb to take across to you we would probably say in a christian world we would say to save Anand question okay so to save to rescue to carry over to take from to pull out of the water uh we've had lots of floods and lots of uh, disasters. There is flooding in the Philippines tonight. They have two typhoons in a week have hit the Philippines. And all the pictures are of, of uh, aerial photographs of just the treetops in this, this great expanse of dirty brown water. So you do someone out of those hurricanes, out of those typhoons. You rescue someone with limitless freedom, ease, the Bodhisattva rescues many beings. Trin here means groups, like a flock of birds. Is what That word is used for birds. It's used for uh, groups, for crowds, the crowds of beings. So, if the Bodhisattva uses vows, that's to say, um, if I were to explain this fully, we'd have to go into the, um, the, the bigger picture of the Avatamsaka Sutra. This text, our, our scripture that we're looking into, arises from uh, the vows of Buddhas spoken by bodhisattvas. So the Buddhas don't actually speak this text. It's spoken through the mouths of bodhisattvas The Buddhas invite to come out and speak it. And the story behind this text has to do with the, the good heart, the kindness of Buddhas. From their good heart, they make these vows to end suffering, to make pain go away, and the um, the system of those vows is called Fa Jie Guan, the perspective, the view of the Dharma realm. It appears that. It, to describe it, it's actually mathematical. It's so many things. There's, did you all know, just for curiosity, that there is a chapter in our sutra that is devoted to mathematics? It's called the Asamkhya chapter, which is the limitless chapter. It's full of big Sanskrit numbers. Right? It's full of, like... Do we have numbers? I know there are mathematicians here with us. We saw some calculators out there this afternoon while some of us were doing our homework. Fancy Texas Instrument Hewlett-Packard calculators. Those were very impressive devices. Boy, Um, In English, in in our Western uh, method of numeration, which we got by and large friends from Islam... Islamic Arabic science gave us our numbers that's why they're called Arabic numerals right what other kinds of numeration do we have Roman numerals right imagine if we had to do XIV every time we wanted to do a calculation so we got our numbers from Arabic from Islamic science don't look down on it Uh, we use it we depend on it it gives you your bank balance Right? You want to know how much money you got in a bank? You better thank the Arabic uh, mathematicians. Okay, so, the, um, in our way of numbering, we not only have digits. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0. You know what else we have? We have numbers of names. Right? Hundred, thousand, million, million. Billion, trillion, gazillion. What comes after a gazillion? A whole mess. That's not actually a number. Whole mess. No. So tens, you got 100,000 million. Those are the ones we use a lot. If you want to go into Wall Street bailouts, you go into billions, right? So we won't, mind you. Occupy Wall Street. So. Um, those are numbers with names, aren't they? They don't I mean they represent zero, 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 000000, but they actually have names. Those numbers we spell with ABCD million, billion, trillion, right? Quintillion, whatever. Um, in the Asankhya chapter of the Avatamsaka, the whole chapter is numbers with names. It's very cool. Numbers with names. The Sanskrit enumeration, Sanskrit scholars, the the culture of India, where this text was originally spoken, is big on numbers with names. Do you know there is a number called an incalculable? It's got zeros. It's called an incalculable. It's called an asamkhya. And there are asamkhya squared, an uncountable squared, And there's an uncountable uncountable squared. You multiply the uncountable by itself and then you square that. And on and on. There's uh, Upanishad. Upanishad is an actual number. There's um, uh, kotis of kalas, of asamkhyas, of udumbaras and and Upanishads. And you can square them by each other. So no wonder the high-tech world is so full of Indian national because Sanskrit is the perfect language Sanskritam and there's this love of precise mathematics counting numbers with names how fascinating so if you're somewhere in the Indian gene pool there's this awareness of mathematics how do you see it manifest do you have anybody have friends who play tabla the Indian drum, classical Indian music. Okay, tabla, two drums, right? And then I can't do it. I have a friend, Vishwadeb Chakraborty. And Vishwadeb, uh, he lives actually in um, uh, Bengal, and he is a, a hero of interfaith. Bishwadev goes out into the uh, poor villages and finds the musicians and finds the musician wannabes and brings them into week-long camps. And these are kids who uh, don't, have, don't have much. And he brings the musicians. There's always a musician in the neighborhood, in the village. He brings them into camps and then the ones who want to learn and he organizes music festivals and gets the musicians ready to perform. And gets the young ones, they're the new ones, looking up and learning. And then they travel around with these music troops. And amaze people. And the joy of it is, he, has, he crosses religious and cultural boundaries to do it. So this act are Muslims from Bangladesh. And this act are Brahmins chanting. And this act are Hindus giving their version of very chaste, very modest rock and roll, you know. (laughs) And it's really wonderful to see these young people. Here we have katak dancing next to village dancing. And um, I've been to some of his performances, and they go on all night. And these kids are thrilled and scared to death to be performing, and then they go out and they can do it, and they're heroes. And they're the first ones in their village ever to to travel a hundred miles down the road to perform. And he brings them all back and uh, has them teach the next generation, the ones who've been out. It's wonderful to see. Anyway, Vishvadev is a tabla player. He plays tabla in a spiritual space. And uh, he explained one night to our interfaith uh, gathering what happens when you learn tabla. Do you know what tabla players do? They are visualizing mathematics. He said, as I'm sitting there playing, he said, my teacher taught me to see the beats going by like a, like a timeline. Why? Because if we are, you know, in, in Western music, we pretty much go 4-4, four, four, bum, 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 two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or we do three, four, waltz. Bum, ba, da, dee, da, da, dum, dum, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. Okay, three, four, 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 two, four, sometimes. Sometimes, if we're really adventurous, six, eight right one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. okay that's about it for most of us okay tabla players they're playing in 11 7 they're playing in 13 time and they're going And they're never wrong you know, and they're playing together with dancers and other musicians, and they're all counting, and they're going bump, bunk, bump, bunk, bump, 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 because it's some incredible odd number of beats, and it's a classical rock, it's a classical form. And Vishwadeva is saying, "Yeah, this is basic, and we're just we're seeing it all go by." And he says, "I'm always counting; it's all mathematics." I go, "Ah, the Asankhya chapter of the Avatamsaka Sutra." This is a heartbeat of Indian Asian science that we in the west are far behind. You know, we have a long way to go to catch up to this understanding of the divisions of time. It's manifestation of mathematics, you could say it's magic not a bit. It's science. But it's science arising from seeing the nature It's science that goes beyond mere consciousness, right? So we should understand this text in a whole new light. This is not mystical, i.e. known to a few and hidden from others. Not a bit. This is public domain. This is wisdom from the human gene pool, but unbound by duality. Right? free of me and mine, free of desire, free of self and other. And when you get to that place, oh my goodness, there's a whole new realm of knowledge and possibility that opens up. And we haven't, we're just tapping, we're scratching the surface of this text. So anyway, just to say, with limitless sovereign ease, the Bodhisattva saves the many beings. How nice, right? All right. Um, now, what I thought I would do, I have a story to tell. Um, limitless sovereign ease, saving the flocks of beings. Um, Phil is has this, is going to... I'm going to call you to do that right now. Phil, do you mind? Do you want to get the other mic out of here so you can be heard? This is Philip Lai, everyone knows. He's been our... Uh, uh, webcast and oh you got it right there our uh, tech rep tech for years and years and years and Valor is here and uh, Phil and Val live over on the, the uh, peninsula in uh, South San Francisco Daily City area and I got a phone call um, the guy actually called twice and uh, what, what was his name George, George. George. George Alvarez <clears throat> So George Alvarez called and uh, he had a boys like, talk like this. And, and uh, George said he'd come up from L.A. to do a job in Daly City? South, South City, Daly City. And he said, uh, oh, you know, uh, he says, I'm a Catholic, and, uh, uh, but I respect other religions. And so uh, he said, I got this Buddha... It's Buddha. It was in a place I'm tearing down. He said, but I don't want to destroy it. He said, there are guys who would have said, nah, chuck it. And he says, nah, that's not right. Can't do that. So I started looking for a Buddhist place. You want it? He said, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, George. So anyway, so I call Phil. And uh, I said, Phil, would you check this out? Here's the address. And what happened? Well, um I went to uh,
1: coordinate with them.
2: I, I called them and uh, we coordinated so that the following day that I would go pick it up. Um, we uh, took out the address. It was in, on Mission Street between Daly City and South um, San Francisco in that area. And so found out that this place was uh, being uh, renovated, uh, coded out. Or, you know, the Sherman, uh, Sherwood? Uh, Sherman Williams. Sher- Paint. Sherman, Sherman Williams Paint. Okay, so <clears throat> we got into conversation and he said that uh, I'm Catholic, uh, I'm from Argentina and I'm the general contractor for Sher- Sherwood.
0: Sherman Williams. P- Paint. Sherman Williams, uh, Cover the earth.
2: Um, and so he's uh, normally does um, uh, tear down the store for um, you know, every six months. He does the store, but and in this particular case, during this economic time, he says, I have
0: six stores
2: to, um, to uh,
0: uh, demolish, build, right? To, to, to build six,
2: yeah. Mm. He has to, he has to. Uh, get out and rebuild six stores uh, very these economic times because I guess my guess is that uh, people want to um, uh, repaint as opposed to you know, you know they got a lot of renovation to do Anyway, I picked up you know I got into a discussion and showed me where the the uh, uh, the image was and I said this whole I saw this building was you know like uh, a former um Auto mechanic store or auto mechanic uh, uh, body shop. uh, Body shop. shop. Yeah. And you see these, everything was all gutted out, bound to the bare walls. And then, so he pointed out to me well, this is the Buddha image. And it was an image
0: of Guan Gong. Gong. Not a Buddha.
1: Guan Gong. (laughs) So,
2: He thinks, so he thought this image was image of Buddha, and I thought afterwards, well, it's okay with me. <laughs> it was. Uh, but we got into a long conversation. Um, we talked about Buddhism in general, um, the fact that, uh, well, you know, I'm an interfaith kind of guy, and I respect other religions. I'm Catholic, my daughter's Catholic, I'm from Argentina, and uh, I just, Had to do something with it. I could. I asked my friend uh, who was in um, L.A. or Orange County, I believe it was, and he said, uh, "No, I don't. I don't want that uh, image." (laughs) And and, uh, the reason why was they, they, uh, because the business went out of business. They said it must be uh, bad juju. (laughs) So a hex, bad, bad magic. He decided that uh, uh, the master says, oh, no, that's probably not true. <laughs> and so um, we talked about uh, 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 different kinds of Buddhism, you know, how it originated. You know, and, uh, being Catholic, you have to think about those kinds of things, too, like Christianity and how it originated. And we talked about, um, well, the question he came up with was, um, how long was Buddhism? said, so Christianity is 2,000 years old. And so I told him it was 2,500 years said, Well, you know, it's 500 years of birth. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned that, uh, well, I told him how it started. Okay, uh, uh, 2,500 years ago, we had the Buddha, and then they traveled south. Um, the tradition traveled south, and so you have Theravada tradition, and then it went north to China, and... Korea and Japan and and Tibet, and so you have all these different traditions, and it had to have something uh, significant, otherwise the countries would not have incorporated it into their um, systems and benefiting people. Um, um, So yeah, and we talked a little bit about the Catholic traditions too, you know, and how many there were uh, as well. And you think that, you know, going into Buddhism, uh, there's a lot of different traditions in all the different countries. But I mean, Catholicism or Christianity, there He said, there's any, lots, you know, you said, any, you know <laughs> because he's coming over from uh, uh, Europe. And he's talking about Europeans and, and um, Orthodox Catholics, Eastern Orthodox Catholics. you got the Roman Catholics, you've got the Protestants, you got, um, all the different traditions. So, so it wasn't like, um, you know, we had a lot of traditions and they had a lot of traditions. It wasn't like there's was only one tradition, so I So, one of the things he said, I recall, was, uh, well, you know, um, in, um, in Christianity, when you you die, you go to heaven. And what does that mean? That means I'm in hell. And we are in hell right now. Because he says, I have to commute from... from um,
0: but, but I think by that he meant L.A., Phil. Yeah, Probably no. L.A. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> But now he's in San Francisco, so <laughs> consider reborn in heaven.
2: And uh, the point of the story was that uh, he had to... I mean, we talk about this over here as well... Said that um, he had to leave his family to work over here uh, and, he, and he commutes going home yeah. on the weekends. And so that's Tough. like being away from his family and, and not being um, able to be near your loved ones uh, at the time that you need to be near your loved ones. So, so yeah, it's um, good. That was a very uh, good point. Yeah. So, well uh, uh, another point that uh, we discussed was, uh, uh, you know, um, Buddhism, I respect Buddhism, I respect all religions. Um, why, why, why do we have all these troubles now in this world? And then he said, greed. Mm-hmm.
1: I
0: was like, <laughs> uh, I he's got his something. He's got his eyes open. power. Uh-huh. And
2: so, uh, all these different traditions um, um, have their own um, um, morphing of, of, of why and how it came to be. And so, um, that, that was significant. So, those, those two points that I recall.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for the report. appreciate your bringing back uh, our friend here. Now, there's he's. Uh, I know this image would much rather that we cleaned him up before we presented him to everybody. But I thought uh, we all understand that he's been through a demolition, and uh, <laughs> you're not at your best after you've been the, the the building you're in has been demolished. So he's he ne- you'll notice he needs a new lance. His uh, here's our guan our resident Guang gong, and he's got a a fu. You know this halberd. Uh, you know, the weapon. So he, our uh, Guan, Guan Gong here needs a new halberd. This is, and he's he's all dusty. And but we totally understand, and um, we'll clean you all up here and uh, make you shine again. The he's not a Buddha. He's a Dharma protector. And uh, what was he doing in a in an auto shop? There's a funny story. And uh, there's... Up on the, the organ here, there's a plaque which uh, came with him. And that, you, don't, you just show... You want to tilt it up, Phil, so people can see it. Uh, it's, this was the inscription that was there with him. And if people read it, it all has to do with money. <laughs> and... This image, along with being adopted by the Buddhists as the protector of the monasteries, right? He is the protector of the monasteries. Um, He got adopted by the business world as a protector of wealth. So he, it says, it has the words di zang on there, earth store, is on there, and it also says tsai the god of money. So this figure has been adopted by traditional Chinese religion, and restaurants. You'll notice, you'll see him in restaurants. You'll see him in car shops. You'll see him in beauty parlors. You'll see him in uh, pawn shops. Gangsters, of course, gangsters. Come on, that's part of you know, yakuza and the Hui. and all of the triads. He's the guy who. Gets another, and, you know, keeps you safe while you bust everybody else's head. You know, not. So this, so, this figure is shared among Taoists, Buddhists, and non-believers. He is recognized as the god of wealth. So, uh,
2: what's... One thing I did uh, mention to him uh, in describing his action uh, of rescuing and protecting the Dhamma. Yeah. Is that he is a Dharma
0: protector or, uh, uh, you know, yeah. To yeah, good. He, you could say very much that Guang Gong is a Bodhisattva because there is a figure. He is known as um, the Chelan Bodhisattva. He's the protector of the monasteries. And he as, no, he has a counterpart over here. In Chinese, we call him Wei To, which could be the transliteration of Veda, Bodhisattva. There are various traditions that describe him. Vajrapani, sometimes they say. And he protects the practitioners. He is also a Dharma protector. His job is to keep the cultivators safe and encouraged. He's there to inspire you if you get tired or you know, to keep you moving. And he is the protector of the place. So, interesting figure. If you go back into Chinese literature, you can find him mentioned. Um, And his origins are kind of mysterious. He crosses over into various streams of Chinese culture, Buddhist culture, Indian culture, and the culture of gangsters, and body shop owners, and beauty parlor owners. So... He's, he manifests, he acts with limitless sovereign ease to save the flocks of being. Here's our Bodhisattva. So we're going to clean him up and probably um, we're going to give him a promotion. We're going to take him out of the job of money god and give him the job of protecting the monastery because that's his... We'll, we'll let him transform, you know, so fulfill a higher destiny than keeping our income safe and letting us bust heads first before our heads get busted which is what he does when he protects the gangs the triad spirit so anyway we're glad that you're here Guan Gong, and uh, how nice that george alvarez had that kind of heart you know say i respect every tradition He told me on the phone, he said, I don't want to smash it up, you know, it's got, it's somebody else's God, somebody else's spirit, so I thought, yes, right on, so we accept George's offering. All right, so one more paragraph, and we're done with the second (laughs) ground. Of the ones who help and aid each and every world, with the most supreme bodhisattva practices, they cultivate such merit and virtue as that. On the second ground, for all disciples of the Buddha, I have now proclaimed. Each is of the ones who help and aid each and every world. With the most supreme Bodhisattva practices they cultivate. Such merit and virtue as that upon the second ground. For all disciples of the Buddha I have now proclaimed. When they chanted it it's something like that. So... um I would, when we do it again, I'm going to, uh Yeah, let's bring him back. All right. Thank you, my friend. There he is. I would probably do it, I would say, um, for all disciples of the Buddha, I've now proclaimed the merit and virtue found on the second ground of the ones who help and aid each and every world with the most supreme bodhisattva practices they cultivate. So, right, turn it, you know, the, the, actual, the English syntax requires the last line first, here. Makes sense that way. Okay, that is our second ground summary, done. And what was it about? It was about ethics. It was all about good deeds and bad deeds. How to uh, avoid the ten evil deeds. How to definitely do the ten good deeds. And what happens when you do? What happens when you do good deeds? And what happens when you do evil deeds? And it uses those words. It's not politically correct and kind of afraid to say, distinguish good and evil and the good and evil has a theme the evil means harm to self and others this chapter is famous for uh that wonderful section that is it's the most dramatic cause and effect the most dramatic statement of cause and effect you can find where he says for example he says The bodhisattva avoids the ten evil deeds. If one kills, you can lose your human body. In other words, in a future life, you can come back in another realm. As a ghost, as an animal, in the hells, you're not necessarily going to be a human again. If you are reborn as a human, you have two kinds of retribution. One is your lifespan is short, two is you're sick a lot. Right? It's like that doesn't sound like abstract philosophy to me. That sounds like hammer on steel, nitty-gritty, cause and effect. Right? What does it say? It says if you kill a lot, you wind up with a shorter lifespan than you would have had. If you kill a lot, you know what happens? You get sick a lot. So, this is the Buddha's vision explaining reality. He's saying there's a connection between what happens to us and what we do. And it's really clear and it's very direct and it's very personal. It's not abstract. It's not indirect. It's not kind of maybe somebody. It says, if I kill because here's the the deeper principle because we're all connected in a profound way not very far below the surface number one we're all breathing the same air number two we're all drinking the local water number three we're all eating the local crops depending on how far the, the trucks bring them in if you go to a farmer's market it's really direct Right? today was Farmer's Market Day in Berkeley so we're connected that way the water, the air and the food that we eat are all connecting us you're all listening to English except those who are listening to Vietnamese and those we have a translation into Chinese upstairs too which is great so we're connected that way our thoughts are connected our language is connected, our values are connected Right? you could say that The things that make us different are superficial. The things that make us the same are profound. So, given that fact that we're connected, if I, in the middle of that, with my hand and my intent, kill something, take its life, it affects me. It affects me negatively. So that my share gets impacted by the killing that I do. So, that's pretty straightforward. But what we did is we explained it, and I'm just saying we're reviewing, remember? This was part of the second ground. What I like to do is I like to flip it over into a positive, where you say if, now the sutra does not say this, but this is a way to make it relevant. You say if instead of killing I benefit life. Suppose instead of taking life I foster life. I give food, I give Mm, support, protection, so that people's life flourishes. What happens? Flip it over. What happens is my lifespan lengthens, and I'm healthy. Right? Makes sense. That's so clear. You know. Now the sutra doesn't say that second part, but it's true. If we want to live a long time, if we want to be healthy and not get sick a lot, then create the conditions for other people to flourish feed them feed them keep them safe give them shelter give them clothes medicine any way that we can foster life directly benefits us that's that's a Buddhist principle okay Kill, stealing stealing there are ten of them right I'm just going to go through what does the stealing say it says here's this stuff we all need stuff to survive. I've been drinking tea from a cup. so Because I'm talking a lot. We need water. We need food. We need shelter. We need clothes. We need medicine. Those are the Buddha outlined. Those are the four requisites. Okay? So we all need those. If I, with my hand, with my intent, because I want to, go and take from you what should be yours... What's rightly yours, you know? If I go steal it, if I see your iPhone 4 and I can't wait another couple weeks for iPhone 5 to come out and I go and steal your iPhone 4, right? And it's yours and I know it is and I steal it because I want it. Well, the direct result of that is things that should be mine, I don't keep. I lose things. Things are taken from me. It says, the retribution of somebody who steals is you can lose your human body if it's serious. If you still have the blessings to come back as a human, what happens is, um, you, uh, what's the official? Uh, yi zhe, let's see. Bao, yi zhe, Uh I know the second one. Is it I don't think it's here. I think we've moved it out. Pace, is it here? Yes. Ah, lovely. Thank you. Okay. Ija de. Okay. The first is poverty. We're poor. The second is the Public resources that should be ours, we don't get to use. For example, tax refunds. You're in line for a tax refund after you file. Should come to you, somehow gets stuck. Right? It goes into somebody else's account or there's some bureaucratic bungle. If you are in line for welfare, for, not welfare, for social security... Medicare, That kind of thing. Gongcai. That's what gongcai is. Things that should be your share because you're in line and it's right yours. It goes astray. Why? Because you, with intent, took other people's stuff. And because we're all connected, it, the result is the stuff that should be yours doesn't come to you. Right? So it's like you go, whoa, that is so clear. That is so Connect the dots. You see it, you know. And you can say, "But, but I know." I mean, what about CEOs? <laughs> what about Wall Street barons who are up there drinking champagne and laughing at the Occupy Wall Street demonstrators down below? Who did you read about those folks? They are, in many cases, people who have lost their job, have lost their benefits, who have kids to feed, bills to pay, and their car has been repossessed. And they hitchhiked to Manhattan to just say, what are we going to do in our country? And here are these bankers and brokers drinking champagne up on the balcony, laughing at it. You saw the video, it's available. And you go, what about them? Do they, are they stealing? I mean, is it right for a CEO to make 400 times what his basic employees make? You know, blink, 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 blink. And you think, what about that kind of theft? White collar theft. It's not actually reaching out with your hand, but you do it with a computer mouse instead. What about that? And the answer is, cause and effect is not off. It may not manifest immediately, but when it's a scale that big, it results in generations being poor. Entire populations being going in need, right? America's retribution is on the way it won't be long before things change in our country a lot because we have our now I'm not doing economics tonight and we're not doing politics either mind you but this this is knowledge available to anybody who takes the time to find out what's going on I like to take the pulse of our time so because I'm always interested in how it relates to the sutras principles we, in terms of... Um, what do you call it? Maldistribution of wealth. In terms of uh, the gap between the richest and the poorest. We are... Down with Zambia. Right? Zambia is one of the poorer nations in, in Africa. And... They are ahead of us in terms of equality of wealth distribution between the richest and the poorest. We're below them. Ours is worse than it's countries that are famous for corruption. So, anyway, we're not doing very well. But it's that principle is right there. If we, if we had the Buddha's eyes, we could probably see the time when the retribution comes but we, all we can do is look at the principle and say okay well what is my share how do I change things personally what can I do to make sure that I'm not uh, directly responsible for increasing the, these principles and if we put ourselves on the Buddha's wisdom we won't be wrong Flip that one over. If stealing results in poverty and not getting your share of what should come to you, what happens when you're generous? What's the opposite of stealing? Generosity. Right? Taking what comes to you and making it available for others. Giving a lot. Being charitable. Being generous. What happens if I go beyond my share in? giving wealth to others. What's the opposite of poverty? Is abundance. Plenty. Wealth, but how do you measure that? If you say abundance. Further, you can, so if you don't have enough public wealth, if your share doesn't come, it means you're able to share wealth. So, that's the retribution of being generous. So, being able to take take the flow of stuff, and it's not ours. You know, we have this body and then we use things. You know, the oil beneath the Gulf doesn't belong to British Petroleum. It's not theirs. They protect it, they sign contracts, it's not their oil. It's the blood of the planet. Right? And so we assign owners to these things that don't really have owners. Is it yours when you die? Well, how come it's not yours when you die? Well, it wasn't yours when you were alive to begin with. But you claimed it and you defended it and protected it and got statutes to, you know, to make it yours. So often unfairly, often at the expense of the original owners who were there but didn't have the weapons to defend themselves when you took it so we won't go there but anyway so flip it over and you have this idea that generosity instead of stealing has a wholesome reward so if we can use cause and effect skillfully we, these principles of the sutra just come alive make the life you want to live if we understand cause and effect we become the architects of our future and quality of life it's worth getting out of bed to be long-lived and abundantly rich in resources that you can benefit others with. That's the result of fostering life and being generous. Anyway, those two are two of ten, which just get, they're so good. Those, this, is, this second ground has the most direct application of Buddhist principles I've ever read. It's the most clearly explained that everybody can get right in the spot alrighty uh, it is now 9 o'clock and it's time for us to um, transfer our merit and do so with a wish that comes from your heart however you would like to share the goodness it comes from spending an evening a Saturday night uh, looking into the principles of wisdom Uh, On the flip side of your sheet, there is a dedication of merit. If you don't know it, you'll find it there. And that's the outer part. The inner part is a wish that you make with your heart. Sending out that goodness. As far as your mind concentrates, that's how far it travels.